You guys sounded good there at that end, didn't they, Paul? Man, that was beautiful. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 this morning. We'll be reading verses 14 through 30 in preparation for the message this morning. And uh, while you're opening your Bibles there, uh, I want to introduce our speaker. Uh, my brother Jim Burkle, uh, who's with Commission to Every Nation. Uh, he and his wife Kathy have been in uh, Christian ministry for uh, pretty much their entire married life. And just Jim's going to be sharing a little bit from Matthew 25 and then how his own story attaches to these texts. And uh, it's going to be a real uh, blessing, I know, to your hearts. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, my wife Carol uh, and Jim's uh, wife Kathy are sisters, so brothers married sisters, and I assure you that that is legal in the United States of America. So, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14, Jesus is speaking. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So... Take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please have a seat. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning and the weekend. Uh, a few months ago, my brother Scott called me on the phone, and I knew it must be important because he didn't text or email me. And he says, uh, he said a bunch of words 
the two words that I heard were conference and speaker. So being the spiritual man that I am, I naturally began to think of ways to get out of it. Because I'm much more comfortable where you are than where I'm at right now. But then he said something that changed my mind. He says, Jim, the people at this church, they're people of action. They actually do stuff. And we have this whole area where we have cross-cultural opportunities. And so here I am. And here you are. And so I want to talk with us, kind of have a conversation with each other about the adventure of investing eternally. Let's go uh, start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for each one that's here. I thank you for the opportunity you give us to invest eternally. You give us purpose. You give us hope. And Lord, um, we want to be faithful. Sometimes we're not sure what that looks like. Sometimes we're not sure once we figure out what that looks like, what the path looks like. And so it's, it can be intimidating to us. And so we ask that you would speak to our hearts today through your word and through the message, through just some of the examples in ways that you have worked in my life. And um, obviously you work in each of our lives very differently from each other, but we just uh, commit this time to you and pray that you'd be exalted. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate Scott reading that full parable. I'm going to really look at just a couple parts of that parable today and kind of dig into it and, and consider, have us consider what's that mean for us. So I'm going to reread just a couple verses right at the beginning, Matthew 25, 14, and 15. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, For the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. That's a pretty um, non-micromanaging manager, right? He doesn't say, okay, first I want you to go over here and do this, and then, oh, wait, not, not like that. Go over here and do this. No, not, not that way. Do it this way. He just says, hey, here's a job, do it. <laughs> I don't know what kind of personality you have. I would love a manager like that, right? He just says, go do your job. Because that gives you a lot of freedom, but it can also be intimidating. Because it's like, what exactly is the job? I want to understand this so I can do it correctly. And so I, I want us to think about what's that look like? I believe that that we practice this all the time in our lives. I think in every area of our life we practice it. So, one example. Um, I have four boys and um, six grandchildren. Of the grandchildren, four are girls and one's a boy. But three months ago, uh, one of my son's had a baby, he and his wife, Emily. And 
I remember sitting in the hospital the first time holding that little thing, and I just thought a couple things. One is, she's beautiful. I thought she looks so much like her grandpa. Um, and then I looked at my son Weston. You know, you're, the heart of a father looks at his son, just had a baby. And I thought, you have no idea what you've gotten yourself into here. <laughs> and that's true for any parent, especially first-time parents. And you can look at that and say, wait a minute, there's no instructions. It doesn't say, okay, first you go, you know, do this, then that. Um, but here's what you do have when you have a child. You have a sense of, I want to do right with this. <laughs> I want to raise this little one the best way that I can. And then you take a little step. You go home, and I don't know because my wife did it for us, but you give them something to eat. You take care of their diapers. You, you rock them. You do all kinds of things like that. But it's just one little step. You take one little step, and then you kind of figure some things out. Oh, she's still crying. I thought she wanted this, but evidently she wants something else. Um, and I think it's important for us then to look at our, that time where, where we're going to stand before God, give an account of our lives, to really thoughtfully consider, God, what is it you want from my life? Because when I stand there, I want to be ready. I want it to be giving an account that I'm excited about, not fearful. So what's that look like for us? I believe part of it is just reflecting on who we are, how God's, you know, what, what is the gifts that he's given us? We all have gifts. We all have personalities. Um, I look around and I think, man, I'll bet there's all kinds of gifts and skills that I can't even imagine and whenever you think about the thing that you love the most, not something that you can do, but something that you love the most, that connects with your priorities in life, your eternal priorities, I believe God's calling you to be about that. Because if we use our gifts for God's glory, we're going to do it well. And we're going to keep doing it. And we'll have great joy in it. We'll, we'll bring others along with us. Okay, the year was 1982. My wife and I just got married. You know how some people are, when they're, when they're young, I don't know what young is to get married, but I felt like I was pretty young. I was 22. But you know how some people say, well, yeah, but they're a mature 22? I was not a mature 22. But I did know one thing. I didn't have any, you know, you think about my, my brother, my other brother's also a pastor, and um, you think about, well, they've got, from, from the time they were very young, they had this sense that God was calling them into something of meaning spiritually, and, and they studied a lot. They studied the scriptures a lot, even at young ages. They memorized scriptures. But I didn't have those kind of skills, and um, so I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be about, but I did know this, I wanted to be faithful. I believed that one day I would stand before God, and I wanted 
to tell him, okay, yeah. Um, it, it wasn't so much the guilt of it. It wasn't so much I'm afraid. It was more about, I just want to make my life count. And so um, we just got married, and I, didn't even, I had no idea what I was going to do in any area of life, but I knew one thing. I knew one thing. I wanted to invest in the life of a college student. The reason I wanted to do that we could, it was because when I was in college, somebody had invested in my life. And uh, I want to I share a little bit about this guy that invested in my life. He was from a little town, a little small town. And you know him, but it's one of those rest of the story things, so I'm not going to tell you right away. Um, so he was cool. Now, when you're in college, cool is important. He was cool, and, and not like cocky kind of cool, like filled with pride kind of cool, just a confident guy. And he worked with this campus ministry, and I needed that because, you know, the only things I seemed to revolve my life around was basketball, kind of having fun, maybe doing some art here and there, dating, um, and, and just kind of generally, I, I didn't have any friends, any close friends that, that were Christians. And so when, when this guy from this small town came into my life and I, I started to get to know him, I thought, man, I want to see what he's up to, what, what he's about. And, and so we got to know each other. He, he was the kind of guy, if he walked in here right now, um, he had this contagious smile. It was uh, real powerful, and it lighted the room up. And he always was smiling. He was always happy. There was a deep joy. It wasn't like, I'm happy because my circumstances are good. He had a deep joy. And uh, he was a strong guy. Um, I don't know. I, this is my guess. I, I'm looking around, and I'm feeling like people are pretty strong here, I feel like. I mean, I'm up in Michigan, and I feel like they, we try to be strong, but we're not that strong. And I look around here, and I feel like there's a lot of strong people here. But he was strong, and, um, but he was like the strong that you look at him, and you feel like, okay, that's a professional athlete kind of strong. He had that kind of a way. And one of the things we did together is we worked out with weights and stuff. And, and uh, he, he um, was real gracious because he didn't say, Jim, you're just no good at this. Get going, man. We got to roll here. But I called him the taskmaster anyway because he worked out so hard I felt guilty. And it made me feel like I want to work out hard. Um, he wasn't a theologian. But we'd dig into the scripture and we'd pray together. And he was just a winsome, real Christian guy. And when I looked at his life, I thought, you know, for the first time in my life, I feel like I could do that. I, God could use me because he can use this, this guy from a small town. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, you look at me and you say, well, wait a minute. You came from a really strong Christian family, went to a good church, great parents, amazing brothers that you had a good relationship with. You, 
how is it that this guy from a small town influenced you like this? And the answer is, I don't know. I just know that we connected in a different way, and, and through that relationship, I felt like I could find a path for myself. And I feel like one of the ways that God calls us to reach out and to be about who we are is to connect with people that we can connect with that nobody else can connect with. We all have people like that in our lives, in our little circles. And um, to, to figure out that, to reflect on that, to think about that, and to pray about that, and to invite God in and to say, God, what are you calling me to be about? So, um, yeah, so, so we, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And um, the reason I wanted to do it was because Mark Warren, who comes to this church, Mark Warren, he invested in me. He took a little step. He decided, who knows, I didn't ask him how he, I probably did and I forgot, but how'd you get into campus ministry? I just know he took a step. And then he took a step when, when he was with me to reach out to me and to befriend me and to mentor me and to see me where I was. Not, man, you should be over here. You should be up there. You should be doing this. It wasn't like that. He met me where I was and it was powerful. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to find a, a college student because I think there are key times in life that are very strategic in a person's life, and I think one of them is in junior high. Um, and another's in college, especially if you're going away to college, because then you're figuring out, okay, wait, is this my, my family's faith or is this my faith? What am I supposed to be about? And so I wanted to find a college student. How do you find a college student, right? I mean, do you just randomly walk through crowds, find somebody that looks kind of college-like and say, hey, I'd like to mentor you. Is that okay? Um, well, I thought about that, but, but then I decided it might be better to connect with a campus ministry. So I connected with um, one of the guys that uh, was a regional director of a campus ministry in my area in Peoria. And I said, uh, hey, here's my vision. Is there anything that we could do, that I could do with the campus ministry? And they had campus ministries in the area, but I gotta be honest, so he's a formal guy, and uh, Scott knows him, and he knows the humor of it because I was not a formal guy. The first time I met in his office, I'm wearing these probably cutoff type jean shorts, and like that was in style back then guys. And uh, a t-shirt probably had a hole or two in it. I say, okay, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> and so um, we met a few times and he, he was probably trying to figure out what to do. Um, and he says, what? Wait a minute. There's a school over here, Illinois Central College. They don't have anything going on. He can't destroy anything there. <laughs> and so he sent me out there. Do what you can. It was kind of like this this story of the parable, right? He didn't say, do this and then go over here, because he, I'm sure he thought, we're just going to crash and burn in two minutes. So we go out there, and um, I'd never led a Bible study. I didn't have any talents. I'm not social. I, none of the things you're supposed to be to be able to do that. But I did like to draw pictures, and I did want to find a college student, so I put up... Um, we're going to have a Bible study flyers all over the campus with illustration. 
And I thought, just the illustration should draw a few people in. We're going to have it on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, meeting in this room. And my wife and I, we get there. We just want to find five or six people to show up. Maybe one of them will be willing to be mentored. And so we go out there, and um, it's like three minutes till 10. Nobody's in the room. And I thought, well, um, let's go out in the hallway. Maybe we'll find somebody we recognize and just drag them in and say, <laughs> we got to make this a success somehow. We, we can't say nobody came. So we go out there, don't see anybody, don't even see draggable people. So we go back into the room, oh, well, let's go home. Oh, wait a minute, there's 25 people sitting in here. And we had a meeting. And like I said, I'd never led a Bible study, but it didn't matter because God showed up. One of the things that happens, if we, if we hear from the Lord, and we hear from Him by thinking about this, we don't, we don't hear from Him by just walking down the street. We hear from Him by praying and asking Him, God, show me what you want me to be about. And we hear from Him by thinking about who we are and what we care about. <clears throat> That's how we hear from Him. And so... Um, when we take a step that he's called us to take, he opens things up. And sometimes he does so miraculously. And he did that here at that meeting. It was just literally one of the craziest meetings I'd ever attended. It was like atheists, strong Christians, new Christians, charismatics, Baptists, really a wild group of people. And there was this nonstop interaction about spiritual things and about the Lord. And God just showed up. And the faculty advisor that was in the room, he says, I know, Jim, I know you came here to just find one guy and roll out, but you're supposed to stay on this campus. So we ended up staying on the campus and serving with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for about five years. And in that time at ICC, we were at uh, a few different schools, but one of them was at ICC, and that was my favorite one, because Rob and Robin were there. And people like this, I mean, um, Rob and Robin are the kinds of people, they could connect with anybody, they just had this encouraging way, this natural way of just befriending and caring for people, and they had all kinds of eclectic people, and what happens is, okay, so I have these gifts, I don't have these 15 other gifts, God will put around us the people that we need other gifts from, right? Um, we had Bible studies going throughout the whole week. People coming to know the Lord. We had about 40 people attending Bible studies. We had about eight Bible study leaders that I would train. And since I was training them, I had to think, man, I should probably learn this myself. So I learned how to lead Bible studies and loved doing it. We had a bunch of people, like probably 50 or 60 at social events, and God was really working, and it was exciting. Um, as we got a chance to connect and, and continue, I saw um, at Bradley, one of the times, I, I, just, I just couldn't seem to get anything going there. It was like hard. And uh, I remember I had a, a, one of the students was from Puerto Rico, and he had a heart for the gospel. And so I said, let's go and just knock on doors and invite people to come to 
um, an investigative Bible study and we'll have ice cream, right? And uh, so we did that, knock, 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 ice cream, ice cream, look at this, ice cream. And they're like, yeah, right, I can get ice cream anytime I want. You know, it was, it was not good responses. And at the same time, I kept running into these international students and I would invite them to Bible study and before I got the word study out, they're like, yeah, we want to come. And so they'd come and they'd show up and they weren't even believers, but they were really digging into the scripture. And one of them, Robert, um, he went from, I don't believe any of this to, I believe all of this. He's, a, he's just a normal guy. He wasn't outgoing. He's a pretty mellow guy, really. But God put a fire under him, and he led his whole family to the Lord in Hong Kong. Um, his mom and his dad and his two sisters and his brother, they all came to know the Lord. And uh, Robert and I had a chance to stay in touch with each other over these many years, about 35 years. And he... Uh, he emailed me a while back and said, Jim, um, could you pray for my sister's son? Because he and his wife are getting ready to have a baby and they're having complications. But they live in an area where complications are a problem. They don't have a lot of facilities because they're missionaries in Mongolia. And it literally didn't hit me for a couple weeks after that. I'm like, wait a minute, missionaries in Mongolia, sister's son. So that meant... Um, did I ever tell you who the, who the person was? Okay, good. Mark Warren. <clears throat> Mark Warren um, took a little step one day, and he entered the college campus, and he took another step, and he befriended me. And then um, he gave me that vision and led me out onto these campuses. Robert it was good seed that fell on good soil and he, he received it gladly and he, he poured his life into his family and his family came to know the Lord and his sister discipled her son and her son became a missionary in Mongolia. And I think one of the things, if for no other reason that we want to take a step, it's because we have a God that's, I call him the God of the chain reactions. We don't know what those reactions will be but here's what we do know, um, that whatever we do, he's going to honor that. And it's all about him operating and working through us. Um, I believe there's, there's people right here, I, I, I'm sure of it, that, none of, you know, that you won't even know what the chain reactions have been for your faithfulness. Um, but to continue to think of it, okay, I want to stand before God and I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Um, but I need, to, I need to understand what that looks like. And so when we take the little step, little by little, just like my son is raising his daughter, he's taking little steps and he's learning as he takes steps and, and information's opening. She cries not as much over everything because he's starting to think, oh, this is a cry for that, that's a cry for that. Of course, he has his wife, too, so she knows all of that stuff. But um, I think because it is an intimidating calling to be faithful with your whole life, to recognize 
It's, it's a lifelong process. We hear from God and we answer and we respond to him and he opens up new things. And then he speaks to us again and we continue to listen to him and we say, God, I want to be yes every time. I don't want to be yes some of the time. I want to be yes every time. And then we learn his voice and it's powerful. So my wife and I got very excited about international students and we started praying we were reading missionary biographies, which is dangerous. We were taking walks. We lived for one year, and we lived in Bloomington, in one of those um, off of one of those roads that's 30 miles an hour, and it should be 45 or 50. And if you go 31, you get a ticket. I don't know if they still have those, but they did back in those days. We would take we would take a walk every day, and we would just pray and we would talk about what God's speaking to us about. And I think one of the things is if if we want to hear from the Lord, let's find a partner, and it might be our spouse, it might not be, but find somebody that we can interact with and encourage each other and spur each other on and speak to each other about and be moving and just say, God, you speak to me. I, I want to hear from you. And one of the things we kept thinking was, man, uh, if we went overseas, we love international students, they're all internationals. You know, let's do that. And so, we decided to go to Vienna, Austria because they have the buffet of refugees. Um, there's a big refugee camp, over a thousand refugees from many different countries. We had a center where we'd have all kinds of opportunities to reach out and build friendships and so forth, proclaim Jesus. And of the people that were there, um, they were from all kinds of different countries. Probably at any given time, there would have been 40 or 50 different countries represented. And I remember going there and thinking, this is going to be great. I'm going to love refugees. But there's one group I don't want to get connected with, and that's Iranians, because they're crazy. Because all I hear about in the news um, was bombings and terrorism and bad stuff and scary-looking guys with beards. So... I thought, anybody but them, I'm good. That's like 99% of them were not Iranians. And God, in his sense of humor, kept on putting Iranians in front of me. Like everywhere I went, there's Iranians. I would invite people to play basketball, a whole room full of people. And the only ones that showed up was Iranians. And I'd, I'd, uh, I'd run into them, like they'd be standing in front of doorways. And, and I could tell they were Iranians before I knew their language because they're like some of the most kind and gracious. Like the, uh, um, the percentage of men in refugee camps is about 95%, because they're the only ones that can get over the mountains and everything else, then they bring their families. Um, but these guys, young guys, they're just sitting there, you go first, no, 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 you go first, no, 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 you go first. And, and I just kept on running this, I'm like, I love these guys. You know, they have a sense of humor, I got to know their language, and um, after the first term, just like you do at a buffet, you go up, oh, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good, and you realize, that's not really what I wanted, but this roast beef is so good, I'm going back up every time for roast beef. And I feel like that's what it was for us, that God revealed that we're supposed to be with Iranians, and so we started um, uh, meeting with Iranians for Bible studies, seeing many of them come to know the Lord. God's working in the Iranian people, and he has been for, many, for several decades. And 
uh, we just, it was just joyful. It was, it was a powerful time, and I would write newsletters, and just by writing newsletters, I never invited anybody to work with us or work with refugees, just by writing newsletters, um, four couples and one single person came, left their job, and they came overseas to work with refugees. And, um, and so God was blessing, and one of the things that we want to do, if we want to be doing spiritual work in God's way, is we want to approach it as if it's a spiritual thing, <laughs> by, by drawing near to him, that, that we, we can do a lot in the skills he's given us, but that's not enough. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, and so prayer was a big part of um, our lives, and, and still is for Kathy and I, but we had this big backyard in, in the Vienna area, and we would take these prayer walks, just walking around the yard, and a lot of times you just look up at the sky and there's like shooting stars and everything, and it was just a really sweet time of God working and blessing, and we, we started this um, fellowship. We wanted to see an Iranian church get started, and there was about 20 people coming to the fellowship, and uh, I remember one of the prayer walks, something happened that wasn't it hadn't happened before, and that was um, just a feeling, a feeling like I'm about to allow something hard in your life. And uh, this deserves a lot more time than I'm going to give it here, but um, very shortly after that, um, our, our new baby, she was two and a half months old, was taking a nap, and my wife went in to wake her up, and she didn't wake up, and she never woke up, and she, uh, she's with the Lord right now. She died of what they call sudden infant death syndrome, which is overwhelming at any, for anybody to lose any child at any time. I think the sudden part makes it even more challenging because it's like totally out of the blue, this little one that's smiling all the time at you, and, and all of a sudden... Um, um, your life is turned upside down. And I, I want to look at this second part of the, the parable of the talents as we're, we're coming close to a close here. I want to look at it because this is an, another aspect of ministry that's very profound and important for us. And that is, what's our picture of God? Because that's our driving force. That's what um, defines everything about us and how we approach our own lives, how we approach relationships, how we approach ministry and outreach. What's our picture of God? And um, do we say, God, I will love you if, and then fill in the blank? Or do we say, I will love you no matter what? Right? Well, let's take a look at um, this passage here. Matthew 25, 24, and 25. I'm, I'm looking at the the one that had only received one talent. So it's his time to give an account. A couple others had, had been faithful with their gifts. And it says, He who also had received the one talent came forward. And he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here. You have what is yours. So he says, Master, 
you're unfair and you're harsh. What I would agree with him about is that the master, our master is unfair. In the sense that he doesn't give us what we deserve. When I thought about the loss of my child, um, a couple pictures came to my mind. One was Peter when he's confused and he doesn't understand what's going on. And Jesus looks at him because a lot of the disciples had already just left. And he says, what about you? Are you leaving also? He says, where would I go? You're the only one with the words of life. And I think we have to run to God or run away from him. That's our choices. There's no standing still with God. We're running towards him or we're running away from him. When he's speaking to us, or we're either saying yes or we're saying no. We're not saying, well, let me think about it. We're, we're never saying, let me think about it. We're saying yes or no. And it's all to do with our view of God. So the other picture that was meaningful to me about God is if I say, well, God, you're a harsh God. Well, one of the, I will say the biggest strength for me during that time was um, thinking of the cross. The cross is not a picture of a harsh God. The cross is a picture of the gracious God that we have. And so um, we can enter boldly into this idea of investing for eternity with great confidence because we have a great God. <laughs> I, I think about um, our challenge, and then I think about um, Mark and Susie Warren and the, the choices they've made over 35 years of slowly this super strong guy losing his ability to use his own fork and to lose his ability to use his legs because he was a runner, to use his arms because he lifted weights, one thing after another. And it's always a picture of grace. When I walk in there, it's like this, this incredible spiritual sanctuary in that place. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us, he wants our hearts first and then he wants our actions. So, um, you know, this, this whole picture of how God leads us, we don't know what's going to happen. If we would just take that one little step, we don't know what he might do next. Um, we do know that some of those steps are going to be hard steps and we're going to want to quit. But we just keep on trusting him and saying, God, I'm saying yes all along the way, but keep speaking to me because I want to hear from you. And there's nothing more freeing than walking with him. Um, this life that I've had for 40 years, I literally couldn't have imagined it. God did miracles. We, went, we ended up in California for a number of years. He did miracles there. He showed himself there. Every time he does miracles, I tell him, God, you don't have to show me anything. You don't have to do any of that but I like it when you do. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I believe you no matter what, regardless of that. Um, but the life we have right now, for example, in Michigan, I, I love what I do so much that um, sometimes it leads me to tears in my prayer time. 
And sometimes I'll wake up at three in the morning, very often I will wake up at three in the morning thinking, okay, if I can just get to 4.30, then I can wake up. Because if I wake up at three, I'm dead at two in the afternoon. I, I'm no good for anything. But I love mornings because I meet with the Lord and I get ready to go and I start in, right? And, and that's the, the nature of, if, if we're be, we'll be the ones that say, I want to be faithful with the gifts you've given me, God rewards that. That doesn't mean there's not bumps and challenges and really, really hard things in our life, but he rewards us and he leads us into places we literally can't imagine, but we have to start with that one little step. Father, we just thank you for the hope we have in Christ. I thank you for each one here. This has been a beautiful weekend and a super encouraging weekend, and I've met a lot of people with a um, just have, that have great hearts for you and passion for you, and it, and it spurs me on. And so I thank you for this time. But Lord, you have a plan for each one of us. I, I think about anyone here who, who hasn't really met the master yet. I pray that if there's somebody here who, who wants to begin that relationship and begin walking and hearing from you, that they, they, that they would consider, even this morning, Romans 10, 9, that says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's the foundation for everything else, God. And maybe it's just that their first step would be to, to ask the question of who is this person, this Jesus that people talk about? Who's the real Jesus? And so we just ask that wherever we're at, that you would lead us and, and fill us with your, um, your spirit and your guidance. Lord, you have a plan for this church that's even beyond what you're already doing, which is beautiful. And um, I think about the community, the world you've put in our backyard right here. Many are unreached. Many are just here for a short time. Many, I, I think about how many gifted people I've met and there's others like me that um, are just normal people that you can use in awesome ways. So we just uh, lay these things before you and thank you again for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen.